Arabs say he's a legend. Zorro was a servant of the people. He did what was needed. Now he's needed again. Others, a ghost. Now be careful, senorita. There are dangerous men about. Some say he fights for justice. There are some who would call him a rogue. Others, for revenge. All that playing with swords and shooting guns. Racing around on horses. Such sweaty pursuits are hardly the work of a gentleman. No one has seen his face. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. I had impure thoughts about a man. Last fall? Yes, last fall. But everyone knows his mark. Not bad. The only sin would be to deny what your heart truly feels. Not bad at all. Hello, welcome to the James Bond Complex, where we discuss and rejoice in the phenomena of the James Bond franchise from Fleming to film and everything in between. Ooh. Ooh. I'm one of the I'm one of the co-hosts, Jason Kim. We also have My name's Edgar. My name is Matt De La Vega. <laughs> and as we stated before we discuss anything from Fleming to film and everything in between. Here's for this week's topic, we are divert we're taking another detour, talking of discussing a film called The Mask of Zora. So our first a director detour. Yeah, let's get spicy. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, mm. I'm thinking about Catherine's at the Jun circa nineteen ninety eight. I thought you were thinking of all those leading man parts. No, uh, Catherine Zeta Jones still looks great in 2020, by the way. Oh, she's she still <laughs> does, but she was uh, yeah. like very fresh faced, and she was she she was like I I ca- caught her the first time in the Phantom. For those who remember that, I saw that in theater, uh, and I was like taken with her. And mm. she, she's not as active as uh, she was once. Was once was in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, but she's still a good looking. Uh, a woman and a very good actress, um, but uh, we're I not. Still, <laughs> I still remember uh, me having a poster of her from the Entrapment, even though the movie itself, <laughs> film quality side, the poster is still great. Oh, I remember that the trailer for that movie. I think that the the trailer the, the that movie was sold on her uh, physical sets. Let's just just keep it at that. That's that yeah. was the only like I've never seen that that movie. To this day, and that might be something worthy of a detour because Sean Connery is in that. Uh, but I yeah. think Connery, I think Connery deserves a better detour than Entrapment <laughs> for sure. But uh, speaking of this detour, uh, man, I mean, I'll, I'll go first. I actually saw this in theaters in 1998, I, and I remember in this, I was nine, turning ten years old, entering fourth grade at the time, and I didn't see that many movies that summer. The only Movies I saw that summer were Mask of Zorro and Armageddon. Wow. Those two movies. That's a tough choice there. Tough choice. I wonder which one I will. To, to be fair, back in the day, I, I have memories of enjoying Armageddon. I won't deny that. But then again, I would have been, I don't know, 14, not even 15 yet. So, of course, I would have liked Armageddon. Oh, I enjoy Don't get me wrong. As much as I criticize that movie today, I enjoyed 
I remember enjoying Armageddon when I was 10 years old because like McDonald's did some massive marketing campaigning behind that movie and uh, I enjoyed that movie when I was 14 as well but when I was attending college studying engineering not so much hmm I know it's it's uh if only Michael Bay had done his uh Nassau research just a little bit more would have been a great movie I swear to god it would have been a great movie but I enjoyed Mask of Zorro each time I watched it including the first time in 1998 funnily enough uh I I also saw Mask of Zorro in cinemas that summer and I had very fond recollections of it and I maybe seen it once afterwards so I really needed to uh to uh, yeah, it had even the second watch would have been so long ago that uh, to be honest, a couple nights ago when I spun it, uh, it was borderline first watch for me. Borderline for like moments were like, oh yes, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that moment, that image. But man, ninety percent of this movie was like I felt like I was watching it for the first time. That's how long ago I had seen it. As for me, uh, you know, I just want to share a little bit of my. Uh, background uh, with Zoro, not only that movie, but the character uh, itself. It might be like I don't know if it's a, it's in my DNA, but it's, it's a character I've always enjoyed. Uh, it's a, 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 the um, I remember when I was a kid, I watched the Disney show on reruns with my mother, and my mother loved loved that show. And uh, to to some degree, like I haven't seen it since the late '80s, early '90s, uh, but I remember. Loving it and f- being very fond of the uh, like the portrayal of uh, Don Diego de la Vega by Guy Williams and I remember you know I, I think I've seen that movie in theaters I'm pretty sure I must have because I was really hyped for it uh, when it came out in '98 but I remember mostly because I'm like it's it's a year before my mother passed away and I remember watching that movie with her and her mm-hmm. being into, so enthusiastic about that movie. <laughs> That's digging nice. the um, the swash buckling aspect is just mm. I I love that movie and you know I I own the DV, the VHS I never own the DVD to this day uh, I've looked at the Blu-ray but I don't think they have any uh, bonus features on it and it it, it is uh, a movie I'd love to get um, a more richer released in the future uh, but it's a movie that around that time I think there's three movies I burnt. Uh, like I, I, I've got these movies almost memorized for a couple of years, and hadn't seen that movie uh, since 2005. And I'll explain uh, throughout the podcast why. But between 1998 and 2005, that that was a movie that was in heavy, heavy rotation. There's this movie, nice. The Matrix, and uh, uh, what's the other Independence movie? Day, uh, Fight Club, Fight Club, <laughs> Fight Club, yeah, movies that I was watching continuously, and then people came over. And what are we watching? Mask of Zorro, The Matrix, <laughs> or Fight Club? That's they knew what to expect from you. <laughs> and on my, it's it's just a movie that it's a perfect popcorn movie. And woof, Michael, my, 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 my man, my man, Martin Campbell is just like it's it's. I don't know if it's his best movie because you know he still has Kissing the Wild going on, but it. Mm. And it, 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 it's in the, I, I would say it's it, it's in the top two. Is it better than Goldeneye and like, you know probably, but better than Kiss oh. Royale? I'll 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 bet for it that much. Like I love this movie. I think it's a tighter pace. I think it's a little bit more fun. A little bit more like it's it's 
it's the locations are are beautiful. Like the summit of, you know, I, I'm just gonna shut up about it because I so, my, <laughs> no, no. my mind is blank and I don't remember <laughs> what happens in it. Please, oh. please, okay, guys, like I, I don't know, I must have been hit by oh, that man God. in black, like like the zapper. I I, I can't remember a thing. Who's Zoro? Who's that? Another guy. What? what? The, the, mind's, the memory zapper, another another '90s classic, the memory zapper. Please look yeah. into this. Actually, give me. us give us the uh, give us the synopsis, please. Oh, sure, with pleasure. So, uh, the Mask of Zorro. In the early 19th century, a time when California is no- nothing like what it is today, Zorro, masked vigilante who fights for the Mexican people or Mexican Americans makes a daring entrance on a public execution ordained by the region's mustache-twirling governor, Don Rafael Montero. With his legendary skills with the rapier, his horse Tornado, and the fortuitous assistance of a couple of young, wide-eyed rapscallion boys, Zorro saves the day and rides off in the sun. Back home, Zorro morphs back into Don Diego de la Vega and back into the husband of Esperanza and father to Elena. But his reprieve is short-lived, as Don Rafael storms into his home with a platoon of soldiers. Convinced that Don Diego is the one and only Zorro, the two clash swords, and, in a terrible moment of panic, a soldier mistakenly shoots and murders Esperanza. Despondent, Don Diego is imprisoned, and Elena is unconsciously adopted by Don Rafael. Veintes años después... Two lads from the start of the film, the Murieta brothers, Alejandro and Joaquin, once kids with nary a worry in the world and full of admiration of Zorro, have grown into dirty, dirty devils. Thieves, albeit clever ones, they travel California, now under Mexican rule rather than Spanish, conning their way to modest earnings. But their luck runs out when Captain Harrison Love outwits them, killing Joaquin in the process whilst Alejandro makes it out alive. Simultaneously, Don Diego escapes captivity, and shortly thereafter, their paths meet. Both have enemies. Don Diego, Don Rafael, who still professes to be the beautiful Elena's father. Alejandro, Captain Love, who killed his brother. As an aging man, Don Diego takes the uncouth Alejandro under his tutelage for swordplay, combat, acrobatics, and... The most difficult of all talents, charm. While their initial motivations are steeped in unquenched vengeance, but uh, both soon realize that confronting Raphael and Captain Love brings them the knowledge of the governor's subterfuge-esque plot to make California independent from Mexico by buying it with gold reserves their parent country is unaware of and in the process enslave hundreds, if not thousands, of local civilians to get the deed done. Two Zorros are better than one, although it is Alejandro who, as the mission increases in difficulty, slowly transforms into the new incarnation of the hero the people have missed for 20 years, not to mention fall head over heels for Elena and she for him. The climax leads the heroes to the gold mines where the workers are to be slaughtered in an explosion intended to leave no trace of their gold digging work. And of course, two marvelous contests of swordsmanship between Diego and Rafael and Alejandro and Captain Love. 
The villains are vanquished in befitting fashion. Elena helps the workers escape a terrifying death, and the three are finally reunited, although not for long, as Don Diego, the original Zorro, dies from his wounds. While one iconic hero's journey ends, another begins. Alejandro and Elena marry and settle down, ready to spend a lifetime loving each other. Undoubtedly new threats to California will arise, but its people need not fear, for a new man has earned the right to wear the Mask of Zorro as credits roll. That sends the Mask of Zorro. Bravissimo. Good job. That's, uh, I, I was, uh, and, you know, that's, uh, I couldn't have done better, and I don't think even the writers could have worded it uh, as beautifully as you did. IMDb's got to hire me. IMDb's <laughs> got to hire me to write these plot synopses. Absolutely. So, where shall we begin? Um, yeah, I want to bring up facts about that movie that I found, because I've followed the production of that movie as a teenager, like from like reading in newspapers and stuff like that. And even after the fact, I've uh, you know that at one point um, Andy Garcia was supposed to be Zorro. Mm. How, how, how old would he have been by then? He would have been, would have been like 33, same age as Antonio Banderas, huh? give or take. Because right. yeah, okay. this, this would have been after Godfather 3. Exactly. Mm. He tried to make it in the early 90s, then work. Like, Spielberg is, uh, Emblem Entertainment is behind that movie. And they, they tried to get uh, Robert Rodriguez to make a movie. I think he wanted 45 million, and they said, no, you're only getting 35. Uh, so he said, Screw you! But they kept Panthers that they brought uh, that he brought to, uh, to, to the project. At one point, and apparently there are some tests. Uh, shot Ron Connery uh, was actually Zorro, like the older yes. Zorro. Really? Yeah, that was the Bond connection I wanted to mention. That I they initially casted uh, Connery as Don Diego de la Vera, but and then during the director changeup. Uh, he passed the role, and, uh, and Anthony Hopkins got casted. That's that's when Connery went. So how much of that thirty-five million is coming to me? Well, we need to talk about it. I'm gone. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird because it ended up costing quite a lot more money than thirty-five. For like that movie cost ninety-five millions to make. Um, so I don't I don't know why they didn't make Robert Rodriguez's version. I I, I think it might have been a little bit more authentic because. Um, there are times it's weird to have like Welshmen uh, in the role of, of Spaniards, especially when you have like yeah. well, your lead your lead hero uh, is actually Sp- Spaniard. Uh, it's weird too. Like, and there are some there, there's a moment in that movie because I've seen that movie. I've seen the VHS tape forever. Like I I I think that was the first time I actually saw that movie in its proper English version because I used to I had the dub version. And it struck me when Elena um, goes in the market, and there's a her old um, sort of uh, p- person that took care of her as a as a child who knows mm-hmm. her. She talks to to her in Spanish, and she's like, "What are you saying?" And somebody translates for that. For her. I'm like, she lived in Spain for yeah. like 20 freaking years. How come she needs translation? And it is Spanish. It might be some like uh, Indian language that I don't know because I think that in some novels they, 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 they play with that. The uh, 
It's funny you mention that. See, my Spanish isn't that bad, although, to be fair, I haven't practiced it in a few years. I couldn't make out what she was saying, the nanny. So I'm wondering if that was, like, real yeah. Spanish, or I don't know if that was... Might be... Uh, uh, I... Indigenous Spanish, yeah. like, Mayan Spanish, or Maybe. Mayan linguistics, that's... Because, mm. like, I couldn't make out what she was saying either. Edgar, I agree with you there, too. I, I I don't speak a word of Spanish, but it, I don't know. It 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 struck me as a little bit bizarre, uh, but it's also bizarre that you know, Don Don Diego is uh, the only Spaniard that has a British accent. But the good prince was not afraid of the evil king. He raced across the drawbridge, fighting off a hundred guards, and then, looking very handsome and dashing in the late afternoon sun, he leapt onto the balcony and thrust his enchanted sword. Under the king's chin. You would kill three innocent men, he demanded, just to capture me. Yes. <laughs> and then suddenly lightning flashed and the mighty thunder shook the wasted land. And the evil king glared at the good prince and said, Something very forgettable. Yeah, so it's, it struck me as a little bit bizarre that uh, she, she didn't understand but like I said Zorro in, in the in the movie uh, it's weird that it took uh, what's his name Don Raphael years to find out who Zorro was because obviously he's the only uh, um, Spaniard that has a British accent <laughs> uh, speaking of that uh, I loved uh, during the movie when uh, Esperanza both Esperanza says uh, both Esperanza and Elena says uh, first Esperanza says I will never tire of your voice. Why should she? When, uh, when after he, he nurses up the baby Elena, and later on when uh, Don Diego de la Vera and Elena meet and converse for the first time in twenty years, uh, he she compliments on Anthony Hopkins' mm-hmm. voice, and I really appreciated that because uh, thing is Anthony Hopkins' soft tone sophisticated speech is one of his trademarks that made him a very marketable actor in the 90s so in everyone knows him for Hannibal Lecter and it's not so much the performance of Hannibal Lecter that made him famous it's the fact that Hannibal Lecter is a very uh, visceral like visceral a ruthless villain but yeah. he carries himself in a very sophisticated manner so the contrast of the character made Anthony Hopkins such a made the character uh, very marketable as well as make Anthony Hopkins uh, a big A-list actor in the 90s and the 2000s because of his sophisticated speech patterns and still to this day Good afternoon Bernardo Good afternoon Senorita Your voice is so calming He's high-spirited. He needs to hear something soothing. Yes, I understand. How long have you served, Don Alejandro? Sometimes it seems interminable. (laughs) I'm sorry I speak out of place. Do not worry, Bernardo. He will not hear it from me. Don Alejandro confuses me. Sometimes he seems so arrogant, so superior. And yet the way that he looks at me and the way that he dances with me was as if he were two completely different men. 
You look so much like your mother. How would you know that? Well, I don't see much of Don Rafael in you. I know my father wishes I acted more like her. She was very proper, my mother, always appropriate. Is that how he describes her? Yes, but sometimes I do not believe him. She was more like you. Perhaps. It would be a way of knowing her. My niñera once told me that the departed can see you in the moonlight. So when I was young, I used to sneak out of my window at night and ride my horse across Andalusia. And I would wave at the sky so she would know it was me. How did she die? Giving birth to me. My father rarely speaks of her. I think he finds it too painful. Yes. Yeah, there is something about Anthony Hopkins, who's for, first and foremost, he's an extraordinarily versatile actor. That that that's certainly the, at the forefront of my mind. But there is something about his presence. There is an interesting. It is a it's a variation of sophistication. I I agree with that. But there's something about his performance in this movie where, uh, you know, there's a burning desire of, of of revenge and and the way he he teaches Alejandro. Um, there, there's just something very commanding about his presence as well, which I guess I suppose is 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 necessary if the if the OG Zorro is going to to train the new generation Zorro. There should be some commanding presence, but I'm not so I don't know if if just any actor could could pull that off. There's something about Anthony Hopkins, and it might very well have to do with his voice, which is extraordinarily amazing. Uh, that does help uh, i believe it even though this man is clearly not from spain uh, and nor does he speak with us with a spanish accent or a california mexican accent he he speaks like a welshman <laughs> but i'm like yeah. yeah sure this guy's don diego de la vega fine i'll buy it <laughs> i mean he i think uh like all his other roles um and he and he's and more recently he plays a villain in westworld he's able to remain calm in the presence of menace that's that's what I, that's the best way to describe it is what i like to say hmm. i'm a yeah. good actor but it, you know what i think that i, I guess it's must it's, it's the first time i've watched this movie in a like higher definition and it's the makeup job that they did because they didn't like cgi like there's not that much cgi in that entire film there's a few green screenshots i could pick up here and there but for the most of it it's very like limited uh, use of CGI. There might be some wire removal, but there's no mm. like they're not they're, nobody's a running on green screen in this movie. Uh, I know in the sequel there there's some heavier use of green screen, uh, but I don't want to discuss that movie yet. <laughs> I'm having a good time talking about this one, uh, but I appreciate the effort because all the actors like are. Not as old as they pretend to be later, but not as young as they pretend to be earlier. Because the guy who plays uh, Don Raphael, he was like late 40s, early 50s, I think, when he made that movie. There's another character, one of the henchmen, and he was not even 
50, and in, in, in later in the movie, it looks like he's 60, like pushing 70. <laughs> And I, I thought the makeup job was like when they look, they're supposed to look young, they look good. When they're supposed to be older, they look they they look good. I love the makeup on that movie. And I look and they they weren't nominated for any awards, but I feel they should have because they 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 de the actors without the use of CGI, and they did a fine job. By oh, my yeah, Anthony Hopkins did look like his younger self in Lion in the Winter a little bit. He's look. He's look. What he's probably forty in the beginning of the movie, and like uh, 50, 50. 60. Oh by yeah. The, by, by well, twenty years later, so he'd be about sixty, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what a flock of hair! Oof. Oof. Jesus, what a flock of hair! Amazing. I don't know if that's makeup or if that's the real deal, but that's amazing. <laughs> and but I think I that bugged me about the. The, the plot of the movie, and it, it might be me, but it's Zoro. He's supposed to be this math, master of gymnastic, escape artist, and, you know, he, he knows how to fight. And, like, he stayed in the same jail for 20, 20 freaking years without escaping. Yeah. I'm like, no, you would have escaped. Like, you would have... The only way he, he wouldn't have if he was, like, you saw him comatose... Uh, and sort of like completely disheveled, and but that's not that's not the hero you want to see. So I'm like, I, th- I found that bizarre that they didn't like say, oh, he escaped 20 years ago and nobody has seen him. Uh, like they they could have fixed that with a line that. Well, the prison the prison guards. I, I did a little bit of research. The prison guards of of uh, 19th century California were extraordinarily well trained. They were very well trained to. Don't stand next to the bar. So that you got this one doofus that does that in sorrow, like, oh, rips, you know, what are you going to do? You know, it happened once in 20 years. They're pretty good at the job. Yeah. Unfortunately, it happened in the presence of Zorro. And one thing I, I want to just it's the first shot of the movie, it looks like they're building a, a franchise. You see the silhouette of Zorro just walking in and go. It's the movie's gun barrel. It's the movie's gun barrel. That's that, and it's 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 Martin Campbell who did Gold Goldfinger, a uh, Golden Golden Eye, uh, a couple of years earlier. And I, I don't know if there's any. Did he do a movie between that and The Mask of Zorro? Like, Vertical Limit with Crystal Chris O'Donnell. Isn't, isn't that after? I think it's after. After Zorro. After Zorro. Right. Between Golden Eye and and Zorro, he didn't do any movie. No, no, he didn't. Well, he did get asked to do Tomorrow Never Dies, and he turned it down. For good reasons. Um, fortunately, he didn't turn down The Legend of Zorro, which he should have. Um, I've never seen it. Uh, you don't you, you don't sound too hot on it, Matthew. I've never seen there's it. There's two movies in my life that I left the theater, and I was angry. The Legend of Zorro and the, the Hangley Hulk movie. I didn't care for that either of those movies. I, I was disappointed and angry, because I'm like... How do you mess up a Zorro sequel? How do you mess up a Hulk movie? He just needs to be angry and beat shit, shit up. That's that's I might take up The Legend of Zorro. I'm not really excited to rewatch the Hulk film, but I, I don't know. Despite the comments, out of curiosity, I might one of these days in Legend of But he went from make. I do want to say this is that he went from making Legend of Zorro as that as 
much as that movie kind of fails on many aspects, he went from that to making the most brilliant James Bond movie you know, within, <laughs> you within a that. year within a year span. So, because man, so, legend. The thing is, uh, and that does to me that speaks. That doesn't mean Martin Campbell's a good or bad director. I think that speaks more so on that a good director can only succeed if he has the proper support. So um, the reason why Zorro, the first Zorro, Goldeneye and Casino Royale are successful is because like he worked with professional executive producers uh, for Bond, it's Barbara he, he and Michael. He had better writers for, for, for sure. I mean, have you looked at Legend of Zorro? The imbeciles that wrote that script, Orsi and Kurtzman, the geniuses who brought us the Star Trek sequels, who brought us uh, the the uh, what's the, the the Mummy movie? Um, oh right, yeah. Amazing oh, right, Spider-Man. Um, oh, they wrote the Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, who wrote the first one and the oh, second God. one? Oh god. And I know that these they're, they're hacks, and they they write these movies from like for him like in the sake. I'm just say that about the sequel. There's a subplot about divorce in 18 like 40, 50. Uh, like Elena divorces Alejandro, and it's and it's about you know it's 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 a, such a bad movie. I just I I kind of left. I was pissed off. I'm like I know I done one more zone. Uh, it took forever for them to make it, and you know what? They shouldn't have uh, that. The Mask of Zorro should be... To me, it feels like the conclusion. It doesn't feel like there's an expansion after that. I don't want to follow necessarily the adventures of, of Alejandro. I, I, he had his arc. What other arc? Mm. Yeah, that's... The, I, I felt the same way, too. And uh, I just want to go back to the intro. Uh, it kind of did remind me of uh, the Michael Schumacher's Batman uh, intros. Like when he... When the protagonist runs into comes out of the fog and runs in it to make his entrance. Right. Without, the, the without, the without the nipples, of course, but yeah. You know what this actually reminded me of? Not at all the same movie, but a movie from a couple of years earlier, Mission Impossible, Brian De Palma's Mission Impossible, which is a film that takes place, you know, if you know your Mission Impossible, and I'm not pretending that I do, for me, Mission Impossible is the Tom Cruise films. But, you know, if you, you, dig, you dig a little bit, you learn, you know, if you know your Mission Impossible, the Brian De Palma film does happen in the universe of the television show it's just obviously several years later and here we have the mask of zorro that happens in the quote universe of the don de la vega uh, don diego excuse me don diego de la vega uh zorro who is the tradition he is zorro it happens in that universe and it's the passing of the torch it's funny that they come out a couple years apart i don't know if or to what extent they the, 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 the writers paid attention to that. They sort of maybe saw Mission Impossible and said, oh, that's pretty clever. Let's reboot this franchise as well. But, you know, a, a, dub, a dub of the cap to, to the fans of, of, of the true Zorro. I don't know. It sort of reminded me of that. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you said that because like, I, I thought that too because like, uh, as I was doing research because I, I noticed that a lot of other actors have played Zoro such as uh, I forget the first actor who played him but Alan Delon, one of my favorite French actors played Zoro oh, in the really? 70s. Played Zoro in the 70s, and that, was, and that was literally 20 years before 98 and the last time a Zoro film has made. And then, and the Zoro character was always Don Diego de la Vera. And in this, as you said, Edgar, it's in the same universe, but 20 years later it gets passed down to the next generation. And that's kind of how Mission Impossible did from Jim Phelps to Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt. Because like the TV series did revolve around Ethan Jim Phelps' character. Jim Phelps, yeah. I, I think they took a more drastic uh, take with the material with Mission Impossible by turning the hero of the previous iteration as the main villain. But uh, I, from what I'm reading, I've done it, it, the concept of pass, the passing of the torch was like one of the first concepts. And, and, and to me, it, it stinks. I shouldn't say stink, but it smells of Spielger, Spielbergism. I'm, I'm assuming he must have been the show, a fan of the show in the 50s, and in, his per, in the perfect world. And if he was still alive, that uh, the Don Diego de la Vega would have been played by Guy Williams if he was still alive. But he passed away in the 70s. Because they, I, I think it would have mm. made a continuation of that show in some in their mind, I think that was their intention. This bold renegade carves a sea with his blade, a sea that stands for Zorro. Zorro, the fox so cunning and free. Zorro, who makes the sign of the sea. by many names but you can call me Zorro but they, ca- they tried to cast iconic actors like Sean Connery and Anthony Hopkins as the elder Zorro they, they, they wanted that gravitas mm. the opportunity nevertheless I mean now we're talking about the movie we didn't get as opposed to the movie that we did get which is never a bright idea but, but just on that train of thought I would have to imagine the door was nevertheless open for them making a film called The Mask of Zorro, in which the hero is Don Diego de la Vega, but like a 30-year-old version of that. But they chose to make a 60 or whatever. They're about 60-year-old version that's too old to do the job and gives the mask the Alejandro. Like, they made that decision. So I, know, I hope – I mean, uh, without – I don't want to go too much into this tangent, but I really hope uh, the James Bond franchise never takes that step. Or goes that direction. As yeah, much as yeah. from, from all the rumors that we've heard about No Time to Die, uh, I really hope Bond doesn't go that direction. I don't think that's a step a franchise should like the only franchise that has ever had success with having like a successor and managed to keep the momentum going with Star Trek, and that's the, everything they've tried, like the Star Wars movie. Um, oh, Mission Impossible. Mission even Mission Impossible. Yeah, you okay. Two, two, but I, I don't think for a franchise, uh, you know, I don't want to bring it up, but I'll bring it. Even the Transformers, they tried to replace the original cast, and since the 1986 movie, it's always like the original cast from the cartoon. They've never done Rodimus Prime for those uh, of us who remember 80s Transformers. Um, it's a shame because he really did have the touch. <laughs> but uh, I do want to. Because I mentioned No Time to Die, I do want to bring the Bond connection 
because our the theme of our podcast is from Fleming to film and everything in between is uh, I've always heard different rumors or different facts. Is like did Hopkins actually get casted as Carver or he got asked to get asked to asked to be Carver because like I've never seen a because uh, you know like before a Bond film goes into production there's always a casting call of all the actors who are going to be in it. I've never seen any photo of uh, Anthony Hopkins in a press conference like that. Whereas like you know I see Sean Bean, Javier Bardem, uh, Robert Carlyle. You know you've seen all that. The Bond connection is. Uh, Martin Campbell got asked to return to Bond to direct Tomorrow, Tomorrow Never Dies, but he says he, he wasn't interested in sequels. And Anthony Hopkins got cast or got asked to play Elliot Carver, and he turned it mm-hmm. down because he said, "I want, I I actually want to work with Martin Campbell this time on Zorro." Because he specifically said, "I want to work with Martin Campbell," so mm-hmm. he turned down Carver to play Zorro. And in some sense, I'm glad he did because Jonathan Price looked like he had a hell of a time hell of a fun time playing Elliot Carver and ironically enough both of them both uh, both of them that them being uh, Elliot Car- Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins co-starred in a movie together called The Two Popes on Netflix where they right. play mm. where they play the real life version of Pope Francis and Pope Benedict the 16th respectively interesting uh, Ho- Hopkins being Pope Benedict mm. Jonathan Price being uh the current uh, uh, Pope Francis. Yeah, interesting. It's uh, I, I don't I I'd have to I'd have to pull up the the uh, some kind of hero chapter on Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, I don't remember if it's uh, it might to be fair. I don't remember if it does say that Anthony Hopkins refused the the role of Elliot Carver because Martin Campbell wasn't on board. Uh, I I have vague memories of him maybe seen some rough drafts and going like WTF bye so and which led him down the path to, to working with Martin Campbell um I, I don't but it is it is interesting that those two individuals director and actor were asked to to partake in in the making of Tomorrow Never Dies and well, a year later they're made in uh, a movie that's probably a little bit better <laughs> but not a James Bond movie <laughs> but uh he turned down Martin Campbell's request to be Trevelyan in Goldeneye prior to that, and so that's why he says this time mm. I actually do want to work with Martin Campbell. That's what that's he. That's true. That part I do remember reading many times. No, Anthony Hopkins well, I, is, I is, is at the top of the game. I want to expand our discussion a little bit because we've been talking about Anthony Banderas, uh, Anthony Hopkins, the casting and the background. Uh, let's dig into the movie. Anthony Banderas. Is he your favorite Zorro? Do you want to see him back as Zorro? Because he still has the, the costume. I seen him on Kimmel <laughs> like last year. He still has the the outfits. He still can fit in it. Uh, the only thing he, apparently he has that's new. It's the boots. He doesn't have the same boots as in the movie, but he still looks great. But he, 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 he interview, he's like, yeah, I'm 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 gonna be 60. I can't be Zoro anymore. So no. I, I think he wrote his last uh, time as Zoro. But he wrote uh, his. Uh, he gave his last ride. But uh, yeah. I thought he would, uh, yeah. So I mean, I'll go back to Hopkins later. But uh, for Ant- as t- t- uh, while we're on, since we're focused on Antonio Antonio Banderas, I thought he was magnificent as Zorro. Like the movie focused on his like '90s popularity without going too, I guess, pastiche. Like with his like, what was that movie that he did with Roberto Rodriguez? 
Uh, oh, uh, El Mariachi. El Mariachi. Yeah, yeah no, it didn't go into that. Des Desperados. Desperados. It didn't go. Yeah. It, it didn't go into like that. Desperados persona and some of the praise I really want to give this movie is because um, I I actually do fencing. I've done both western and western style fencing. I've I've only fenced with foil, not sabers yet. Because I was never but that You've advanced. done kendo as well. You've done kendo, I think, right? Yeah. You've done all sorts of. Uh... Yeah. So I, I did both kendo and fence, western style fencing, and watching this movie with a older, with a more mature, fresh set of eyes, uh, I want to give the, the choreographers, uh, or specifically Bob Anderson, who was the trainer of everybody in this film on the swordsmanship, for all the proper footwork and the proper techniques that they used in this film. Mm -hmm. And Bob Anderson was also the he was like a gold medal a British gold medal fencer in the fifty in the sixties and he trained the Lord of the Rings cast and he also trained Roseman Pike for Dying of the Day. Yeah, and uh, I was on the uh, this is gonna sound terrible, I was on the Wikipedia page for the movie and uh, he's he's quoted as saying that Antonio Banderas is like one of the best actors. He's I, as far as the end result, like okay, this actor really got it. This actor maybe a little bit less so. He's quoted as saying that Antonio Banderas particularly impressed him, just the speed with which he learned it, and and just how well he looked when they when the cameras rolled with a rapier. You know, he trained with the uh, Spanish uh, like fencing team, Olympic fencing team, uh, when prepping for the movie, like hours upon hours upon hours. <laughs> the much debated Zorro. No. The legendary Zorro. Put down your weapons. <clears throat> Do as he says. Allow me. Face the window. Now, bend down and touch your toes. Bend over. Do you excuse me, Captain? Now. Thank you. I mean, shows, I mean the, the stunts in that movie. I love them. I love I mean, the horse sh the horse shit there. Wow. I mean, Martin, that just speaks like praise for Martin Campbell because uh, he is true action director, and I think like all his movies, good and bad, or more so the good ones, uh, he knows how to tell a story. He uses the action to drive a story forward, and that's something I could always give him, give praise for. And he knows how to drive a film for what, uh, using the action choreography, but he also knows how to develop the, chem the chemistry relations between the two lead actors. In this case, the, the relationship, there's a lot of good chemistry between Banderas and Hopkins, Banderas and Catherine Zeta-Jones later, as well as, um, you know, Bond and Vesper, Bond and Trevelyan, mm. you name it all. But he knows how to create the good chem. He knows how to create good chemistry as well as uh, do great it's act. It's a great director. It's a, it's, it's honestly, it's a shame that um, he has so many shitty movies, like The Legend of Zorro, 
like Green Lantern, like uh, well, Green, Green Lantern. I think now, look, my, my memories of Green Lantern are, are, are hazy. I'm, I'm not going to start pretending that I remember that movie very well, but I always thought that was a little bit of a different beast. That's sort of like, I mean, going into Bond is one thing, but you know that, you know, the tradition of Bond and the tradition of a film like The Mask of Zorro is we're going to, you know, 95% of the time we're going to do it for real. I don't, I can't imagine that was ever the case no, with Green Lantern. Green Lantern so, um, he shouldn't have made that movie. He was not the, like, he's good when you have, like, physical a good script. stuff. And, well, yeah, a good script. And then uh, I didn't think it was half bad, but uh, neither of these two were half bad. But I will honestly say I enjoyed both Edge of Darkness, starring Mel Gibson, where he resurrected his old, where he resurrected his old BBC show Edge of Darkness, which starred yep. uh, Bond's very own Joe Don Baker as, mm-hmm. uh, and this was Joe Don Baker played this role at the same time he did The Living Daylights. And I always, and I was talking to my friends, a lot of people, like, I always ask, who is your favorite Bond ally, not Felix or the MI6 staff? And one of the most popular answers I get is Jack Wade. And I think, <laughs> and I think the reason why Jack Wade is so pop, or, or Joe Don Baker did such a great job in Golden Eye and Tomorrow Never Dies is because Martin Campbell, and this goes back to you, Edgar, of what you always say to me is like, I'm so big on the actor director collaboration. And I, and Campbell knew how to use Jodan Baker, and he brought the best out of him. Yeah, and not an actor I'm very familiar. In fact, I'm struggling to wonder, have I seen anything Jodan Baker did other than... Cape uh, 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 Beer with Robert De Niro and Scorsese. That, he, yeah. played like a, he played a corrupt cop that De Niro kills in the house. I mean, Cape Beer is a... De Niro shit showcase feels like De Niro just goes ape shit crazy in that movie, but mm-hmm. Joe Don Baker did a solid job. But, but the, uh, Martin, going back to Campbell though, I mean, uh, sort of given that this the other night, the other night this this very much felt like a first time watch, even though technically it wasn't. Um, it, it was a brilliant reminder of just how. Just how much I appreciate Martin Campbell's style. Uh, Phil Mayhew as well, cinematographer. It was very nice seeing that name in the credits as well, who worked on Goldeneye. Oh, yes. Um, Campbell films, you know, maybe notwithstanding your Green Lanterns, but again, I I still argue that's that's, that's different. Yeah, but that's his studio job. The the other film I forgot to mention was The Foreigner with Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan. I I thought it was not half bad. It's solid. It's solid. solid that that yeah. one was a little bit, you know, that one caught me off guard, and I he feel has, like it's. You know he's got better movies. Like he doesn't have, he has great movies. He's got good movies. He's got a like few clunkers, mm-hmm. but he doesn't mm-hmm. have that many few clunkers when you think about it. You guys yeah. are making me weird. I mean, even Spielberg has clunkers. Let's be honest. Yeah, no, everyone is. Like, sure everyone it's, is a uh, skeleton. There's their closets. Um, some uh, some are the Legend of Zorro and some are uh, Green Lantern, but some people have uh, Mask of Zorro and Golden Eye and Cousin of Whale on their mantle, and I appreciate. I feel that trifecta of Golden Eye, Zorro, or Mask of Zorro, since he made both of them, the uh, Mask of Zorro and and Casino Royale, uh, it, it forms a trifecta of of a director 
uh, and a, cinem- a cinematographer and editor. I, I don't remember the name of the editor on this, but uh, an interesting trilogy of Stuart films Baird, I that, that really show how how do you direct an action adventure film? Where do you put the camera? How much do you show the audience? That's obviously dependent on how well-trained your stuntmen and your main cast is. That goes without saying. But if they are well-trained, you can afford to show more. And when do you cut? Um, and I think GoldenEye, Mask of Zorro, and Casino Royale are, as, as, and I know all three of us are, as an action movie, as an action-adventure movie fan, I find those three films are, are such... Sublime examples of like, if I were a director, which I will never be, uh, I would sur- I would like to to direct action adventure films because that's what I like. I swear to effing god, I I would just I would just rewatch those three movies and and learn and study and talk to Martin Campbell. Fantastic oh. long takes when the, uh, when he steals the map and he jumps on a table and he and he's fighting jumping and it's it's a one long take. It takes a while before. It, it cuts, and it's the way the, the, the camera is positioned. It's, you're looking up, and there's this hero just doing these acrobatics and being defeating his enemies, looking great doing it. It's just all the all the shots in the movie. And I was, you're right. Sometimes you look at them and just, wow, that's a beautifully shot film. It's well directed, and I I, I want to bring up the villains because I, for some reason, man, I've always loved Don Rafael and Captain Love. Uh, I, <laughs> who plays Captain Love? And I, I don't think I've ever actually seen him in anything else. You know what? Else. Have you watched the the Flash? Uh, it's been a while, but go okay. Have you? Have you? Cause you know that Eobarton uh, masquerades at as uh, what's his face, uh, 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 Harrison Wells, but the, the real Eobarton is actually uh, Captain Love. Oh and snap! Go. I... <laughs> I want you to know, I consider this an honor. at him and it kind of kind of reminded me of uh um what's his name the actor's name red grant uh jaws uh oh uh shoot what the hell i'm just recording um ask google because i'll do it <laughs> okay google okay google who played red grant in from russia with love who played red grant in from russia with love uh robert shaw oh shit Robert Shaw. Thank, thank, thank you, Jason Google. Okay. 
It's got a, the guy who plays Captain Love is Matt Lesher, Lecture. I don't know, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, but uh, it, it reminds me of a young uh, Robert Shaw. Like he yeah, has he, this. He does. Uh, to me, when I was rewatching last night, he reminded me of a Robert Shaw and uh, Boyd Holbrook from Narcos. And uh, you know, he's and, actually in Narcos too. <laughs> he is. <laughs> he is. Like I've read his wiki page because I'm like th- this guy has some charisma. He should be. Uh, a bigger should, star, if, uh, like you or at least a more, you know, one of those actors that plays villains all the time. Like he's got a, and and, and he's physically fit, and he's well, he's still active. I mean, they could still use him for Bond. Like he definitely, oh, yeah. should uh, be in Bond. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, I, to be honest, I honestly thought he was like a Boyd Holbrook and a Robert Shaw combination in this or the yeah. Captain Love. We we, we saw the same thing, my friend. We yeah. saw the same thing. Uh, if they re- ever remake Jaws, and they won't, but if they do, <laughs> that's your quint. Don't hold your hand. But uh, I do want to talk more about uh, Campbell's directing here, because uh, even though there's, besides, even though Campbell's the common denominator between this Goldeneye Casino, or whatnot, there's a lot more similarities that I saw from watching this, such as... Uh, in the first five minutes during the introduction, we never even see Zoro. And then the first time we see Zoro, uh, he's hooded up. He's disguised as the Jesuit priest and it catches uh, the young Alejandro and tells him to be quiet. Shh, cause he's, and that's kind of like the same way he introduced Pierce Brosnan in Gold Knight. You never see, you never see, you never see, uh, but I thought that's, that's one of the best introductions of a Bond actor. It's like, you never see, who who the Bond actor is until like mm. in the toilet scene and I thought that was because you only see like when you're doing the bungee jump you're not seeing him and even when he like does the laser you barely see his eyes and I thought that was a very good way to introduce a protagonist into the movie it makes him look iconic yeah and sneaky uh, which is what Zoro is supposed to be he's the fox yeah. it's the Spanish word for fox if I remember correctly so you gotta be sneaky if you're gonna give that name and then uh the second and then Obviously, this the film of Mask of Zorro is about one of the theme, one of the plot points is about Alejandro's journey from a from a from a mischief thief to uh, a masterful professional skilled rapier swordsman or or to be, so and in that sense I thought it was very similar to Casino Royale because in Casino Royale just like in Mask of Zorro and Casino Royale we see a very raw a very raw action here, and we see his him go through his missions, whether they were successful or fails, or and I in that in that sense, I thought the first mission that Zoro went on his or the first rogue mission that he mm. went on, where he tries to steal Tornado back and he blows up that fortress. It kind of <laughs> it kind of reminded me of the, the and Anthony Hopkins describes him as a thief or a pitiful clown at best. You're not the real Zoro. And I thought that scene, that entire action scene reminded me of the Casino Royale embassy where he like storms the embassy and just blows shit up. And cause you're seeing, a, you're we're seeing a raw action here. And then as the movie progresses in both films, we get to a more refined film, refined protagonist in Casino Royale. It's the scene where he shoots Mr. White and says, my name's Bond, James Bond, a three piece Navy blue navy suit and in Zorro mm. it's a scene where uh, Anthony Hopkins pulls out the Zorro mask and says we hide our feeling 
we hide our feelings of hatred with this and he drops down the mask and then that's when mm. Anthony, Antonio Banderas becomes the real Zora or becomes a refined Zora. You must go to Montero's house tonight. Break into the chest in his study. Find anything that will tell us what his plans are. People in the mine are dying. And all I can think of is Capitan Love. He will come into your circle soon enough. You need not chase him. I miss my brother, sir. Your brother is dead. We lose the ones we love. We cannot change it. Put it aside. How? How can I do what is needed? When all I feel is... Hate. You hide it. this but i do want to get into the dance it's also after he's been through the mine he's seen that the children being tortured yeah and he saw that captain love kept keeps his uh dead brother head in a jar with uh what's his main three-fingered jack which you know what they were based on real people and apparently his brother is his brother is yeah yeah. No, no. Cap- Captain Love and the Marietta brothers actually are real people. I, really I heard Alejandro is fictitious, but I heard I read that Joaquin is, you know, historically debatable. But apparently, yeah. there's material out there that you can find that there was a Joaquin Murrieta that was a bandit. Uh, and he signed his um, M for Murrieta. Yeah, it's pretty cool actually. <laughs> it was pretty cool. And um. There's a good progression of story there as well, you know, going jumping off of what you said, Jason, the idea. And that, that's why I sort of briefly alluded it to my in my plot synopsis, because I was so impressed with that part of the film, that, that growth of character where Alejandro starts as a Rufian, you know, a smart one, but a Rufian nevertheless, and ends up as someone that does have uh, altruistic, noble uh, motives and and that really you know the, the that and that happens when he while he's still impersonating I don't remember the name of his of his persona but when he's pretending to be like the queen's ambassador to to Mexico or to excuse me to California um when he sees you know what what love and and Raphael are doing with with the people in the gold mines that's where I, that's the moment when the character of Alejandro understands, oh, shit, okay, this is what it's like to be Zorro. It's not just I want to kill love because now I'm Zorro. I can use a rapier. No, being Zorro is helping the people. I like that growth of character. It's very well done. And then, Matt, you wanted to talk about the, the ballroom scene as well, too. I, you know what? I want to talk about, about a lot of stuff. Do you want to talk about the ballroom scene? <laughs> But we haven't touched our, our lead villain, uh, and I want to bring him up because I, 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 I never look the cast of this movie. Like, I never looked Captain Love, who played Captain Love, but I never also play, looked who played Don Rafael. And, I, like, my mouth was, like, a gap when I saw that I've seen this actor in another 1990s action movie play the lead villain. And he was horrible as the lead villain. He's the lead villain in Lethal Weapon. Oh, that's I what I was, I was thinking. Interesting. I'd have to Not the first it. one. Not the second one. The third one. The one that you're like, who's the villain in, the, in Lethal 3? Lethal Weapon 3? 
it's a, a it's a former corrupt cop that has a mustache and loves okay. hockey. That's all like I remember. And he kills some schmo and pour, like drops his body in concrete. That's Isn't that the one where Riggs is? is does Riggs' is son die down. or something? No, that's Myrtle. Myrtle is not son, but one of the is one of his son's childhood friend. Uh, Myrtle accidentally kills uh, early in the movie, and he feels right, guilty right, about right, that. Right, right. I don't. The third one is the one I don't remember. And to he, your point. I, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not very good, but I found him. I found him a little bit. You know, there's a tragic and psych. Like he's a psychopath, but is there's a tragic element because obviously he was in love with uh, what's what's his uh, what's the Don Diego's Esperanza. Wife? He was in love with Esperanza, and like he, she never returned his affection despite his best tries, and he's devastated when one of his henchmen kills her, and he like it's his fault, but he can't process that, and he mm. robs the man's child just to like twist the knife. A little bit deeper. Uh, it's, 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 it's twisted and wicked. It's true, but I feel it's very twisted. I'm not. I'm certainly not even going to try to counter that point. I, I wholeheartedly agree. But I like that extra layer. And I don't know if I read too much into the performance, but there are a couple of moments in the film, particularly when, uh, as we near the climax, and Don Diego uh, decides to pay a nightly pay a nightcap to Don Rafael. And and he says, you know, call Elena. And this might be me. This could be me reading too much into the performance. But I feel Raphael. Obviously, he doesn't want to let go of Elena because it's his rival's daughter. But I felt the way he was playing the part was like, Dude, I freaking raised this child. She's my daughter. <laughs> you cannot imagine Raphael. Oh, I have dreamed of this moment, night and day, 20 long years. Really, I haven't given you a second thought. If I die, De La Vega, the truth dies with me. We shall see. Father! Fernando, what are you doing? Tell her, Raphael. Tell me what? What is going on? Tell her who her real father is. Father, what does he say? This uh, unfortunate man lost a daughter once, and it has driven him mad, and now he seeks to claim you for his honor. Tell her how her mother died. Your daughter is lost, De La Vega. You cannot have mine. De La Vega? A woman in town, she told me. Diego De La Vega? Father. His name is of no consequence. <laughs> I was told my niñera used to hang something on my crib. She had to hang fresh flowers. No! You know, it's, it's, for obviously he did. Like she loves him. That's that's the tragic element. She he actually she she actually, she actually loves him. But when he, she realized what he did, she's just like mm. conflicted. Even even when he dies, you looked at uh, Catherine's at the Jones face, you know, and she's 
she's not happy that he does because mm. to, to her it's her dad, but he's a scumbag and he's she's she's conflicted. Like I wouldn't, you know, she probably had to go to the eighteen twenties thirties version of therapy after that. <laughs> when you find out that you've been raised by, by the man who killed your mother, sent your father to jail, and basically stole you as a children as a child, it must mess you up like big time. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's a twisted, when you think about it, it's a twist, it's really twisted, it's wicked. It's almost feels like a fairy tale at times, mm. um, which I appreciate. I like the plot as well, striving for, like, he's a great politician, you know, like, yeah. when he gets, he, he returns from Spain on the shore and he, the people are there. And I, lo I love that scene where he says, eh, stop it, I know they paid you to make, to, to pretend that you like me. Here's how it's really going to go down. And he's a brilliant politician. It's it's very, uh, you know, the best politicians in in to, to varying degrees are Machiavellian, and and he very much is. And I, and I like I like the villain's plot that plays into history like that. The fact that you know we used to be under Spanish rule, now it's under Mexican rule, but they're they're going to go for independence, but you know with with resources that even the Mexicans don't know about. I I thought it was very. Um, I thought it was. I, I, li I like the contextualization of the plot. It's, yeah, well, it was complex without being too. Uh, with, but it was also a very fluid story plot as well. Mm. And I, and while you guys were discussing, I, I did some little research. The actor who plays Don Raphael, uh, not just Leap of the we Weapon Three, uh, he made two movies with Martin Campbell. One, both, he made a movie before he did Golden Knight called uh, No Escape with Ray Liotta. Like a, it's a prison movie. If you guys ever yeah, seen, I've seen it, that. yeah, he's in that. And then uh, he also used the same actor who played Don Raphael, Stuart Wilson, in Vertical Limit. He plays Chris O'Donnell's father. The when they when they're rock climbing in the beginning of the movie, and then the carabiner falls off, and he t and the father tells Chris O'Donnell to cut. Oh my God! I, that, you know, I barely remember that movie. Not to mention it. Yeah, it does start with his dad basically killing himself to save. Or he her. tells. The him and the daughter, and then and then dad who tells Chris O'Donnell, "Hey, take your knife, cut cut my rope off, so you guys you two can live." That's the same actor. So I guess Martin Campbell also has a tendency to use, uh, reuse his uh, favorite actors. Oh, speaking of connection, did you notice uh, there's a uh, there's a Bond alumni in the cast? Did you did you notice him? Did you or because I didn't I had to cheat, I had to go on wiki. That's fine. I, you can take a guess. It's a Spanish actor, and he's been in one Bond movie, and uh, his father was also in one know, Bond movie. I couldn't understand who he's playing, though. I saw the name of the credits, but I, did, I couldn't pick him out in the film. He's, yeah, you uh, see him yeah. in the background. He's one of the uh, the, the troop of uh, Don that follows uh, Don Rafael when they go to to see the mine. He's in the background. Like, I've noticed him. I saw him. I'm like, oh, it's, it's uh, uh, that is. It's uh, uh, a kid's uh, it's not Pedro. It's it's, a, it's, uh, you know, it's Pedro Armendariz uh, uh, Jr. Jr. Yeah. He passed away a couple of years ago. I thought he was still alive, but no, he passed. Um, but no, he's in the well, background. You're only president for life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Um, and, uh, go ahead. No, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, we talked about we the. the we the haven't talked much about Captain Zeta Jones. Yeah. I do. I do want to say this. I'll start this off. Uh, this is a type of conversation I'll have with Joe Darling today. 
Joe for listening up. Uh, please listen at least on this part. Uh, I thought the, I mean, I thought the chemistry between Antonio Banderas and Catherine Zeta-Jones was brilliant, but I thought their that their scenes were better when when Catherine Zeta-Jones doesn't know Alejandro is Zorro. All right. Versus uh, versus of... versus versus the scenes where where uh, she uh, Elena sees Alejandro, and I'll explain it by this like the the first time they meet uh, when she's doing the confession. By the way, the fourth command and commandment is not uh, honor your father and mother. They got this whoever the scriptwriter was. They got that part wrong. It's remember the Sabbath. But anyway, that's I'm how just... can you not how can you not do your research? I don't know what Padre is that you. Padre, is everything all right? It sounds like there is a battle going on out there. Don't worry, my dear. You are safe in the house of the Lord. Of course, Padre. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been three days since my last confession. Three days? How many sins could you have committed in three days? Come back, would you have more time, please? Excuse me? Listen, senorita. Then please, go on. I have broken the fourth commandment, Padre. You kill somebody? No, that is not the fourth commandment. Of course not. You, you, in what way did you break the most sacred of commandments? I dishonored my father. That is not so bad. Maybe your father deserved it. What did you say? I said, tell me more, my child. Well, I tried to behave properly the way my father would like me to. But I'm afraid my heart is too wild. Too wild? Yes. Could you be a little more specific about that? I had impure thoughts about a man. Huh? I did. I think he was a bandit or something. He wore a black mask. He had... A Deep voice? Yes. Rapidly handsome? I do not know his face was half-covered. But something in his eyes captured me. Captured you? I felt warm, feverish. Lustful? Yes, lustful. Forgive me. I forgive you. Yeah, because she, you know, she says, uh, "Father, I have sinned. Uh, I've broken or, the fourth commandment." You know, you know what? It might also speak to her because obviously she doesn't fall like she, she's a bit <laughs> Yeah, that's true. It could be true, and. Uh, that might be Maybe actually a, like a so second degree. And if, if you know what, even if it's not, I decide, I'd have decided that's a joke, and that's actually very funny. I've never paid attention to like the order of the commandments, but that's but, pretty funny that she doesn't but, know the proper order. But uh, I, I absolutely adored the the relationship, all the scenes that they had, those two had together, such as the scene when they're fence, fencing in the barn. Like the choreography was great, and of course. I'm not gonna leave out when she's when at the end he says stand still and he takes his rapier. 
<laughs> you know what? I was looking at this and I was like, I don't know if he, a modern audience, like it's 20 years old. So it, it, for, for a kid who, who was born uh, 10 it's, years ago, it's a, it's pretty old. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know. It's a little, same, it's a little bit touchy. It's a little bit, uh, you know, me too type of thing. Uh, people with, we want to, do we want to play that game? How many problems are there with Matt, you know, quotation marks, you know, 2020, Year 2020. How many problems are there with Mask of Zorro? Let me count the ways. Uh, you have a Welshman playing Welshman playing Zorro. Problem number one. An Englishman playing a Spanish governor. Problem number two. A Welsh woman playing a Spaniard. Problem number three. Uh, what else we got? We have Zorro undressing against her own will a woman. Uh, I mean, the list like this. Yeah. <laughs> It, which is crazy, man. Like this movie's so well done. It's so entertaining. It's so enthralling. You and you, you know, you know, there are seventeen, eighteen, nineteen-year-olds that would watch us and go like, "This movie's problematic." F off. Stop yeah, it. You know, or, or maybe there are a seventeen-year-old that would go, "Oh, oh, oh the naked chick." Oh. <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'm pretty. I'm I know, pretty I sure did. the Welsh like, woman playing the Spaniard would be the problem. At the time, it was a very oh. like, but, uh, proud, was... blazing moment. And then, uh, and I do, um, and this is another, this is another further statement of why I think the scenes where, when Elena doesn't know who Alejandro is or when his face is covered up, those scenes are better. Is um, there's a sense of innocence in it, especially in, uh, during the during the first meets as well. And the, and I want to go back to the dancing dancing. They both clearly know who each other are, at least physically. And mm. I thought, you know, at the time and the, all the previous times I've seen it, that was always one of my favorite scenes because like, it was a very luscious scene. But me being a trained dancer, now watching it, I was like, man, that dance, the dance choreography in, that, in this movie sucks. Oh, really? Okay. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. I thought, I thought it was – To be I, honest, I – I thought, I, I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. I was, like, I was looking at the moves they were doing. I'm like, that looks really stupid because we have the music and, uh, and 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 it's very cinematic. But I'm like, I'm looking at the movements and the choreography and I'm like, that doesn't really look like dance. Like people look at it and are probably confused because they're just like, <laughs> it's, 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 it, it looks messy. I, I, it's. It's like a movie is made in editing. It's made three times. You write it, you shoot it, and you edit it. That scene was made in editing. It's not messy. It's passionate. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that. I thought all the moves just kind of like lacked fluidity. I mean, no, it was very fluid, but it just lacked like uh, motives and a sense of feeling when you dance. And it was just kind of. It was. They were just doing. You know, like they were leaning and dipping and whatnot. But it just lacked passion to me kind of lacked passion because like i thought it was very poorly choreographed and mind you antonio banderas is a very well-trained dancer because in the movie called take the lead he did a couple years late several years later uh, he plays a dancing instructor and i thought that because i i actually do i'm a trained tango dancer by the way and and i thought his dancing in take take the lead is very well choreographed and it's proper but in mask of zorro i thought I know that the dance scene is like one of the biggest selling points of the movie, but watching it as a tr- with a trained set of eyes, I was like, man, this <laughs> the dance scene was just terrible. That was actually you know, one of my least favorite scenes in the entire movie. I'm, I'm feeling like Valiente. it was well, they're pretty. 
you know, she's breathing. She, it looks like they're having sex, honestly. The way she's breathing and the ass She's she said she's like they make some allusions to sex and it's 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 wink wink nudge nudge, but I know that party scenes and there's a lot of crowd scenes in that movie. I never paid attention to it, but there's a uh, when uh, Don Rafael shows up on the shore, there's a big crowd. Uh, that party, there's people everywhere, and the mindset, there's people everywhere mm. and the everywhere. Opening. Everywhere on the opening. Well, I, did, I was doing a little bit of research, and uh, the, they spent the whole the, whatever budget they had left, they just spent it on fencing training. And when they said, "Okay, let's uh, let's hire the dancing instructor," they sort of checked their pockets and was like, "Oh shit, <laughs> more money." Uh, you'll do. Uh, <laughs> Antonio, hey Tony, Tony, you know how to dance. Uh, see, si, see, si, but I'm not an instructor. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You, you know, that's fine. Just, no, like, just, just make your clothes like you know, do swirls and stuff, and mm, just do. Mm. You know, yeah. Because your know. clothes did move a lot, and that's, I'm fine with that. Because I, when I dance, I try to make the girls dress swirl a lot too. But that they were just doing too much because they clearly, neither of them clearly knew what they were doing in, the, in that scene. Whereas the fencing, <laughs> whereas all the fencing and action scenes, like Bob Anderson trained these actors really well. Well, it's funny because the um, – I, hopefully I'm not getting the, the, the sequential order of the events wrong here, but I, I, the the sword fight in the barn is the next day, I think, after the ball. Is it? Uh, I'm not getting that wrong. It's but like he's, it's, he's, he's the party. He's, the, party uh, the following day, they go to the mine, and after they go to the mine – like Yes, it's after. With, but it's not, uh, but in, in as far as the running length goes, or as far as the running time goes, they're pretty, they're fairly close to one another. So I, yeah. it's funny how they those two moments bounce off of each other. It's yeah. yes, thank you. Um, but yeah, no, but the the entire like oh, I love, I love the finale of that movie. I don't know why, because there, there's a, there's a, you know when when Don Rafael uh, is dragged to his death by. Sort of the card that contains gold, and it crashes on top of Captain Love, who's ebbing blood and die, slowly dying. And, and it, they're, they're they're both killed by their own greed. I mm. just mm, I love when they it do was very stuff symbolic. Like yeah, I know. I I, I I appreciate it. I was like, oh, that's beautiful. Let let these bad 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 assholes die because of their greed. Let the greed kill them. I appreciated that. Um, also, a little and, similar to Goldeneye, in so far as you have Alex, yes, yeah, I was going to say that, yeah. and crushed, and now you have Captain Love, who like, shouldn't you be dead, guy? But no, he needs to get crushed for the gold. <laughs> True. You know, uh, I do want to say that I do. Uh, I'm not really bringing back to. You. I'm sort of bringing back to Cap, uh, what I, we talked about Hopkins, but more so Campbell is. Um, as I watch Mask of Zorro. Uh, because this was made in between Goldeneye Casino Royale in '98, so um, as I watched this, I said, "Man, this movie is this movie shows what Goldeneye could have become." Because you gotta remember, in the original Goldeneye, Anthony Hopkins was supposed to play a former M slash mentor gone rogue to Bond. Mm. So Trevelyan was a much older act character versus Sean Bean was a Bond's compatriot, and. With the way and the chemistry between Banderas and Hopkins, with the way Hopkins trains up Zor- the young Zoro, I thought 
I said to myself, man, this is what Goldeneye. I mean, I love Goldeneye, but I was like, man, this is what Goldeneye could have become mm-hmm. when we could have seen like a. I want to say a Jim Phelpsish, but to see it like a, um, a mentor train Bond and then Bond get disappointed or like have mm-hmm. a feeling of betrayal, yeah. a turn of betrayal when uh, he finds out he's the real Yanis or Travel Yanis or the villain of the film. And back to what I was saying before is it also sh- foreshadowed what Casino Royale became in that in Zora we see a rough, like you said, Edgar, we said Edgar, a rough being transformed into like a, not so much a, what is that, My Fair Lady, sort of a My Fair Lady moment, but more mm. in, in some sense, but we see a rough being go become a refined action hero at the end. So, so that's the best. So it's a. I thought this movie was a good culmination of Martin Campbell's successes in one. It seems to be. It seems to be a film, you know, because we keep bouncing off of 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 Goldeneye and Casino Round talking to this film. I'm wondering if, you know, those films because they're action adventure films more so than you know The Foreigner or, or Edge of Darkness or. Or the Ray Liotta film. Um, I, I'm wondering if when he makes an action adventure film, he he uh, my he's my, he's extremely good at it. But I wonder if he he just has these instincts that he can't get rid of. So <laughs> he he keeps on mining those ideas. They're decorated very differently. You know, one version of Bond, another version of Bond, a completely different fictitious character. But it's it's true. They 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 seem to speak. The, the the movies seem to speak to one another in, to some degrees. But, no, people. Artists tend to – artists always bring some of their own personal background or preferences, and to me it doesn't surprise that uh, there are echoes of uh, Casino Royale, GoldenEye, um, in The the Mask of Zorro, or vice versa, depending on why you see it. No, I just appreciate – because people sort of critique that Martin Campbell is sort of a journeyman – which he kind of is. He has a few movies that he like vertical limit. I don't know how passionate he was about that movie, but I still uh, enjoyed it. Don't get me. Wrong. I I I still enjoyed it when I watched it. I'm not gonna lie. I haven't seen it since it came out. Like I only saw it once. I mean, I saw it a couple of times in middle school. I still remember like I love the scene when Chris O'Connell runs off the cliff with the two <laughs> with the two like axe hammers and like slops. That's right, baby. And then I grabs onto the clip on it. I just, I mean, as unrealistic as that was, I was like, man, no, that scene was so bad. That movie, right? Yeah, PS. That's all. That's all I remember. Uh, and, but, uh, what is it? Isabella Scor. I don't know how to say her last name. Natalia is in that movie. Scorupko, yeah. Yeah, she's in that movie too. So, like I said, Campbell reuses actors. Mm. Yeah, resu- but you know, I had lost my train of thought, so I don't remember. <laughs> what saying. You said uh, Campbell's a journeyman and. He, you know, people critique, critique him that he's a journeyman, but you know, it, 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 they are journeymen and they are uh, like artists. Uh, not everyone can be a Sam Mendes or a Steven Spielberg, but there are some qualities to people like Campbell that have are they don't have like an Academy Award on their on their mantle, but they man, they make some freaking effective, fun, entertaining movies. And The Mask of Zorro. Uh, I'm, it, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna bring somebody much, much more powerful than I ever be, more famous than I'll ever be. But it was actually uh, Bill, 
uh, during that summer, somebody asked, uh, I don't know why, but he asked uh, the president of the United States at the time, what's your favorite movie? And he said, The Mask of Zorro. Oh, really? Yeah, nice. Bill Clinton really liked that good movie. Taste. Well, you can't argue with good taste, can you? And then, I have uh, a question. Oh, go ahead, Jason. And then uh, I also did some further background research, and oh, I saw that uh, Martin Campbell, before before he became a household name with Bond, Zora, or even Edge of Darkness, for that matter, he directed Sam Neill and John Rhys Davies in the BBC miniseries of Riley Ace of Spice. He didn't do the full show; he did six of the twelve episodes, and which is a very Riley Ace of Spice is uh, non-fictional spy drama about John Riley in World War One, who Ian Fleming used to base his character of James Bond off of. And that's why Sam Neill was a, a huge contender in the 80s to be James Bond, but never happened. And I think the Broccoli family or Eon definitely looked at Riley Ace of Spice when they cons- were looking for action directors to direct Goldeneye at the time. Sounds like we have another idea for a detour. Just saying. I, I have a question though, uh, as as especially for you, Matt. You 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 were pretty high on the character of Zoro already, and and to to an extent, you as well, Jason. Uh, as as from and the question is coming from someone that really my Zoro is Antonio Banderas. I don't really know another Zoro. How does Alejandro? Murieta fit in as Zorro in in the larger uh, canon. Like, is he is he a good Zorro? Is he is he the best Zorro? Is he? Yeah, he's kind of like the other Zorro. He just goes under another name. Like, how does he fit in? How does he compare? And I mean, it's, it's you know, I, I can't compare. Uh, to me, it's it's a movie. It's not about the character necessarily. Uh, but if you're playing when he is in the suit, Zoro being like a swash buckling, and he's pro- physically he's probably the most athletic of all of them, and he, you know, he has like late uh, 20th century technology to make him look as good as he as they can. They have him do stuff on horses, the horse race, the horse chase that he does, and he's doing flipping all over the horses. I'm like, wow, that's impressive, uh, and they did those things in the camera. Um, Right there and there, he's he's the most impressive physically because of the technology that he has. It's probably my my best my my main comment on him. But I, I, as the legacy of that character, it's very limited because he did that sequel and Bender has said he's not interested in doing another one. I don't think I think they're trying to reboot Zorro in the 21st century. They're trying to make like yeah, I've read stuff, man. They want you to do post-apocalyptic Zoro, they want to do, like, female Zoro, all those, honestly, horrible ideas that, you know what, I don't want it, like, I'd look, I just, like, do another movie or do a TV show and just make it done, 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 uh, done, uh, go back to basics, and people, you know, it's kind of like King Archer, people are, oh, it's, we're gonna make a new take uh, on, on the material of people that don't know, yeah, but most people, most kids don't know who the King Archer is, or mm. have barely Robin Hood. They're, yeah. Robin, well, there's not, there hasn't been like a straightforward Robin Hood movie in like since 1990. Like there was a modern version which looked like more like a, a, the Arrow TV show a, a year or two ago, and the same thing with King Archer that looks like a video game. Just do something 
basic. Don't go over the top. Reintroduce the character. And then 10, 20 years when you've done many, like, basic version, you can, oh, oh, let's do something crazy. No, no, just do basic Zoro. Sorry, I diverged for a while. No, I agree. And just like you said, I don't, I don't think it's a good investing idea because Robin Hood and King Arthur both failed. Both, both rec- two re- recent iterations of respected characters, whether it was Russell Crowe and uh, Taron Egerton for Robin Hood, or Clive Owen, whoever the hell played the recent King Arthur, both iterations failed. Uh, sorry. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on? guys thoughts on Zorro and the, the legacy I, of this movie I thought the movie did well and it didn't it didn't warrant the sequel I thought we already saw a character's journey in this film both Diego Don Diego de la Vera as well as Alejandro so we didn't uh, sequel wasn't really necessarily warranted but whatever someone threw money at camp one he was like yeah fine I'll do it I find sometimes money. studios don't understand I mean it's an easy reaction is, oh, this film was very successful. The audience, the audience seems to have liked it, and they gave us a lot of money to go see it. Let's make another one. I understand that reaction. You're a business. I mean, why would you not do that? But it's funny how sometimes certain properties just have their moment in time. Uh, you know, Mask of Zorro, summer of 1998. That was it. Like that was the summer of Zorro, and it worked that summer. Doesn't mean a sequel is going to be as successful. Robin Hood, Prince of C- Prince of Thieves, Summer 91, 90, 90, 91, 91. No, the Summer of 91. That was it. That's the Summer of Robin Hood. You don't need. Well, then, in France, they didn't make a sequel to that. They, there was no other Robin Hood cinematically for for a good few years. But 2010 with my guy Ridley Scott. You know, it's like no, nobody cared for it. Like sometimes it's difficult to gauge what IPs are going to make money and which don't. And it's funny. Why, why, why in summer of 1998, why was the mask of Zorro? Why did it resonate? And I don't know. It's other than I the mean, fact uh, that it's a great movie. But, I know. mean, it also resonated on Antonio Banderas's nineties charm without going too pastiche into like his mm. Desperados persona. So I think if you really want to bring back a, a cult classic or, or a, or character of the past, you need to you need a persona to to sell that off. And uh, I think Martin Campbell was the perfect director to bring because he's been cre- he's been labeled as kind of the the, the resurrection of the past because <laughs> like he resurrected Bond twice. Maybe they need he resurrected to Zora. make the next uh, Robin Hood or King Archer movie. Maybe oh yeah, I, I think the thing is uh I want to read this quote uh, that by Martin Campbell actually and. Uh, this speaks to what I always say is like good director, bad director. You, a good director can only be successful if a executive producer gives them their proper resources to succeed. So, and I'm going to read this. I often feel guilty when people tell me how much they enjoyed GoldenEye and Casino Royale. While it's gratifying to hear those comments, there's a perception that I, the director, made the film. This, this is not true. Every department, every different department has a creative input, has contributed to the making of the movie. As a director, I am just one part of that equation. And so, mm. and I thought I thought he was being very honest and humble, but I think that's very true. Hell, I would 
I would watch a Robin Hood movie if Martin Campbell <laughs> directed it. But you also, but that all, but it's a two-way street. You also need to provide Martin Campbell with the executive producer who believes in his vision and gives him the proper resources to mm. make a good movie. I think, I think my computer is being hacked. I'm in. Really. Are you are you getting are you getting are, are you getting weird messages on the, on your computer? Matthew, every single time my cell phone is fine, my my mailbox is fine. Oh, sorry, lines. I don't know. This is Boris Grishenko. Boris, I am invincible. Do you have people everywhere? Oh, he's back again. Oh man, it's. It, not, we're not even talking about James Bond. Yeah, I don't know, man. We didn't talk about James Bond last time, did we? We talked about the Rocketeer no. last time. Talked about the Rocketeer. I'm sure. Anyways, it's how does he know exactly when we're recording? How does he know it's the end of the episode? Are you are you M White, Matthew? No, Matt, no. M M stands for something. Are are you Yen Fleming? I don't know what you're talking about, my dear chap. Oh. Did, 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 you, did you catch that? I heard something that's uh, EVP. No, no. We do have people everywhere, though. Uh, www.thejamesbondcomplex.com, which also serves as the Tumblr account. Uh, we're on Facebook. Search for The James Bond Complex. Twitter, at The Bond Complex. Instagram, at The James Bond Complex. We're hosted by Anchor.fm. Thank you very much for that. Uh, we are also on YouTube. Search for the James Bond Complex. Subscribe and tickle us with a thumbs up button. <laughs> uh, what else can you do? You can do uh, the Google. I can't get that one right. Google Podcasts, right? Is that what it's called? Google uh, Podcasts? No, it's not Google. Yeah, it's Google Podcasts Google uh, now. Podcasts. They changed right. it, actually. I, uh, I don't have Google Music anymore. I think I removed it. Uh, they have Google Podcasts and YouTube Music. Uh, if you want a podcast, you need to go on Google Podcasts. If you want to listen to music, you need to go to YouTube Music. Okay, I should know that because I have a Google Pixel, yet I can't get the name right. Uh, I, I don't know how to download my own podcast, apparently. And there's also wait, Apple wait, wait. Podcasts. Can I try something? Uh, um, our listeners who have Google are going to be pissed. Okay, Google, listen to the James Bond podcast, James Bond Complex podcast. Wait. So I'm going to play rock music again? Okay, Google, shut the fuck up. Oh, God. <laughs> It's a good thing I keep that flickish in my back pocket. Um, and uh, we're also uh, – where the hell are we? Sorry. We're on Apple Podcasts. Search for the James Bond Complex. Subscribe. Write a pleasant review if you can find it in your heart. And leave us a five-star glowing golden gun review. We're all online individually in some capacity. I'm on Instagram at Edgar Chapu SOS. Matoclair007. Instagram J A S X O N eight eight and you'll find many photos of that are Fleming film and everything in between related. <laughs> International man of mystery. <laughs> Don't we have a logo for you? I think we have a logo I, for you. I have a, I have a little thing, but I want to rework it. But it's it's sort of your sort of your face and as in a circle. But I I need, I need to re- rework it. I I, I kind of did it quickly. And I I can do something a little bit sexier. Uh, but I have something. Uh, Sex is always better. Uh, and just as the uh, – actually, thanks for coming back on the show, obviously, Jason. And uh, – well, back on the show. You are a part of the show. So 
Um, yeah, and you will be back we again actually, uh, pretty soon. That's true. We, uh, as of this recording, we actually have a pretty good idea of what the hell we're doing next. Uh, we got well, we're, we'll be talking with Phil Pujali in a couple of weeks from now about a couple of books, Forever and a Death, and Zero Minus Ten. But a few, a couple of weeks after that, uh, we have another detour because we need to save these Bond movies for as long as we can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, you uh, know what? I'm I've I've been listening to the audiobook version of the book of that that inspired the film, and it's it's been an interesting listening experience. Uh, I uh, six days of the Condor. Okay. It's a movie. Everything is condensed, and I, I haven't seen that three days. Of, yeah, spoiler. We're doing three days of the Condor. I haven't seen three days in eons, and I was talking to Jason about it. I'm like. I remember that uh, the guy whose Uncle Ben is in it. I remember that it's in New York, and that's about it. Like uh, I remember the beginning and the end. You guys can use my. I'll send you the New York New York photo to use as the Instagram ad because I took the picture at the CIA headquarters in that film. Interesting, interesting. Well, we will reconvene in a few weeks from now for three days of the Condor which will be released a few weeks after the listeners are, are hearing our Mask of Zorro review. Yeah, it's uh, going to be released in like September by the time... I think 2023. It'll come out before No Time to Die is released. You know what? Uh, a I'm lot not playing of stuff that game. is coming out. I'm not playing that game. <laughs> uh, uh, so on that note, uh, toujours un plaisir. Merci, à la prochaine. Au revoir. You have passion, Alejandro, and your skill is growing. But to enter Montero's world, I must give you something which is completely beyond your reach. Ah, uh, yes? What is that? Charm. What is that? <laughs> Convince Montero that you're a gentleman of stature and he will let you into his circle. Me? A gentleman? This is going to take a lot of work. Heroes rise, heroes fall.